Please be seated. It's my great pleasure to introduce our speaker today. Our speaker is the man who was our guide for Israel, and it's my belief that tours of the Holy Land and visits to the Holy Land really rise or fall depending on the quality of your guide. And I'm here to tell you ours was at least average. Actually, he's outstanding. Um, he, he made it a phenomenal trip. I was writing things down all the time. He has such insight into the biblical culture, into the archaeology, into the things that I don't know about because I'm not Jewish, right? So he can explain those things to me, and he does it so well to all of us. Um, so coming up, we're going to have continued trips. We're like, Hanania, will you lead us again? And so he will. In two years, we're going to go um, to Greece and Turkey. And then next year, we're going to go visit him at the Explorations and Antiquity Center, which is in Georgia. There's lots of amazing things there. Um, that's going to be a very exciting trip. And their, their whole goal is that people who visit can experience the Bible firsthand kind of get a deeper understanding of what was going on so that when you read the Bible, it opens up to you. And that's what people who took the trip say. So um, Hanani is going to tell you a little bit about his own history, but he was born in Brazil. He lived for 20 years in Israel and now 10 years in the United States. And we are just really blessed to have him, and you're going to be blessed by what he has to say today. So let's welcome him. It is really a pleasure to be with you today um, and have a chance to get away from LaGrange, Georgia. Uh, in, into a big city like, like this one. Friends, it's nice to, uh, it was really nice to be with the group in Israel, and it's great to be with a group that is interesting and wonderful and knows what we're talking about and willing to do things. So it was really nice to uh, be invited to be back here. It always surprises me when a group, after having a chance to listen to me, it still invites me to come back. <laughs> that's, that's a very forgiving church. <laughs> I would like to... Uh, I grew up in Brazil and uh, from a Jewish family, and then when I had a chance to visit and to move to Israel, I took the chance, and I loved living there, and it was the right thing and the right time for me to do. Um, and then years later, um, when the organization that I work with, that you have the brochure on your um, bulletin, invited me to come to Lagrange, Georgia, I said to them, well, I need to think about, okay, <laughs> took me about that long to think about coming to be a missionary to the Americans, and that's how I feel working in Georgia, is that I'm sharing so much what we learn in the Bible and in Israel, and building what we have been building there, so I do hope that you um, will come to visit us. I would like to share with us today the story of two women in the Bible, and I hope that that will help us to understand a little more what is happening there. And uh, the, my first person is the story that we found in Genesis 24, Chapter 24, verse 11. He had the camels kneel down near the well outside the town. It was towards the evening, the time when women goes out to draw water. That's the story of the servant of Abraham. Abraham decides that his son is old enough to get married, but he does not want him to marry one of the local girls. So send his servant all the way back to where he came from to bring a good girl from the old country to marry his son. And the servant, obedient, take 10 camels, stuff them with goodies and gifts, and make that trip. And he goes away. Important for us to remember here, the woman that we're talking about, she is a good girl. She has a name. We know her name is Rebecca. We know her family. She's from Abraham's family. We know where she lives. 
She lives um, in, in the family where Abraham came from. She is um, a strong woman. She is a woman who has a good pedigree. And she, when the servant who came to that town and sat at the well and make a prayer and says, Lord, the woman who comes from the city and offers to give me water and to my camels, she'll be the one chose to be the bride of Isaac. And sure enough, there comes this pretty Rebecca. And as soon as the servant asks her for water, she knows the answers. And she says, oh, not just for you, but please let me water your camels. Right here, we should realize that she is a strong woman. Like in, in Austin, in Israel, or in the Middle East, the wells are very deep. And you needed to be very strong physically and very willing to offer to give water from a deep well to somebody else's camels. Because you know how much a camel drinks? A lot. <laughs> After a journey, a camel drinks about 40 gallons of water. The wells is between two and 300 feet deep. You needed to be very strong to be able to bring that water fast enough for the camels to drink. And when you're done uh, giving the water to the camels, then you still need to water your flock. That's why you went to the well in the first place. So she is what I would consider matriarch material. And she's chosen to marry the son of Abraham. And she becomes the second matriarch of Israel. And to this day, we, the Jewish people, call Rebecca our mother. Because she was the one who continued in that day. The second woman I want you to meet today is a woman that does not have a name. We don't know how she was called in that. But that story is in John 4, 28. And reads like this. Then leaving her jar, leaving her water jar, the woman went back into town and said to the people, Come and see a man that told me everything I ever did. Could he be the Christ? You probably already know who that woman is also. She's the Samaritan woman. All we know is that she's a Samaritan. She does not have a name in the Bible. She's not that important. We don't think, or I don't think, that she had a good pedigree. We don't know her family. We only know a few bad things about her. But I have a number of questions that I would like us to consider today. And the first question that we have there is, why would a woman come to the well at the sixth hour? like the Bible say. And right there, you should go and learn a little more about the Romans because the Roman way of counting the days is counting only the day hours, not the night. Therefore, their calendar, the daily calendar, only have 12 hours. And Jesus saying that the woman came to the well at the sixth hour that put her coming to the well right in the middle of the day. We just heard from the first story that the evening is the time that a woman goes to bring water. What is the Samaritan doing in the middle of the day at the well? I don't know if you had ever had experience of living in a small city or in a small town. But if you did, you know that everybody knows everything about everybody and talks all the time. <laughs> Perhaps the Samaritan woman is looking for a peace and quiet time. Perhaps... She knows that if you go to 
get the water when all the other women in town are at the well. You have lots of conversations going on. That would be the central CNN at the time. And everybody's sharing everything that they knew about others. Perhaps she was the main topic of the day. I wonder how her husband is doing today. And the other says, ha ha, which one? Remember, the Bible says that she had five husbands, and the one she was living with now was not hers. That's prime news in biblical times. People are interested in that kind of juicy details. How do you avoid that? You avoid the woman, and you go to get your water when it's very hot, when nobody else is there. But today, she is surprised, because when she gets there, Jesus is the well alone. It's interesting to see that in the Gospel of John, John likes to show Jesus' divinity. Other gospel always trying to show Jesus' humanity. Only in this story, in the whole book of John, we can see that Jesus is human. John says that Jesus is hot, tired, and thirsty when he sits alone at the well. And the other thing I want you to consider here is the alone part. Jesus always traveled with the disciples. To come from Galilee, the easier way for the time of the people would be to go on the other side of the Jordan River, where today is the country of Jordan, and then go north that way. But today, Jesus decided to make a shortcut and go through Samaria. It's about a day from Jerusalem to Shiloh, and then it's about half a day from Shiloh to Sychar, where Jesus is with the woman in Samaria. And it's the middle of the day, and Jesus is there. Now, why is Jesus alone? I don't know if you ever consider that topic in there. Jesus perhaps had enough of the disciples. The day is hot. I'm tired. I have no more patience with these disciples. They are always bragging. They're always arguing. They're always talking too much, seems to me. And I don't know if you need some time that you need to stay alone, but apparently that day Jesus had it. So Jesus sent 12 men to buy bread for 13. <laughs> hint, hint, Jesus wants to stay alone. All of you, all of you, go, go, go. You all go and buy bread for us. And they all go and Jesus is alone. And the woman comes. Remember, the servant asks Rebecca, please give me a drink. And she said, yes, I'll give you a drink and I'll also water your camels. The right answer. Jesus asked the Samaritan, please give me a drink. And she looks at him and she says, why do you ask me? You are Jewish and I'm a Samaritan. Important for us to remember, in the Holy Land, we always have all kinds of people living side by side. And we don't like each other most of the time. In the biblical times, in the time of Jesus, we had the Jews and we had the Samaritans and we had the pagans and we had the Greeks and we had the Romans. And we all try to live on our different little sections because we don't like each other. Sometimes we need to cross their land and that when we meet other people. And that's what's happening here. To make matters, uh, the origin of the Samaritans is probably when the, the people were taken in captivity to Babylon. And the way that they used to do that was an exchange of population. You take the good minds of the country that you conquered and take them to your country. 
and you take the low mines of your country and ship them over to that country. So if you're taking the mines, the thinking people, you kind of put them back a long time and it will take them a long time to organize again, to rebel against you. And they stayed there for 70 years, but when they came back, the people, the Jewish people who stayed in the land end up intermarrying with the other people that was brought in with the Gentiles. Therefore, they are no longer pure Jews in our view. And they start speaking against each other. And very soon, you start having two groups growing steadily away from each other, the Jews and the Samaritans, or half-Jews. To make matters worse, about 150 years before Jesus, a Hashmonean king, a Jewish king, fought the Samaritans. And we thought that he only had fought the Samaritans. Now we know, thanks to archaeological digs, that he actually destroyed their temple. The temple has been excavated in the last couple of years, and a little bell, a little gold bell, has been found in ancient worship services. The priests would come dressed up, and they would have long dresses, and on their dress they would put little bells. So as the priests walk up the aisle, everybody would hear the little bells, and then you're supposed to do something. Either you stand up, or you bow down, or whatever you need to do for that particular religion. That little bell has been found. And that's my third question. Why does the woman say, we, Samaritans, worship on this mountain? You, the Jews, worship in Jerusalem. Now we know the answer. They don't have a temple to worship. The temple was never rebuilt. So they are worshiping in that holy place, the mountain that they remember, but they don't have a house for their God or for God to be in. So they are worshiping in there. It's very interesting that to think that those people in the country, at the, in the eyes of the disciples, they're all nouns. A Gentile, a demoniac, a Jew, or a Samaritan, all make nouns for them. Jesus have a different approach. For Jesus, they're not nouns, but they're adject adjectives. I should practice my words before I get it up here. Not a Gentile, but a Gentile person. Not a Samaritan, but a Samaritan person. Not a demoniac, but a demoniac person. And that puts them on a different level. And that is what Jesus is doing with this woman at the well. He speaks to her. Unfortunately for women, in the time of Jesus, about 100 years before Jesus, our important rabbi said, women are not worth of education. And they stop teaching the girls, sending the girls to school. You see how that becomes a fulfilling prophecy? If you don't teach the girls, they grow to be uneducated. Therefore, the boys are smarter than the girls. Therefore, you've made your point. The women are not worth of education because they don't know anything. So that's a very sad situation that we have. And it was already a 100 years old tradition in the time of Jesus. You don't send the girls to rabbinical school or to schools. Jesus disagreed with that. The discussion that Jesus had with that woman is a worthy of the temple. They're discussing theology. Where should we worship? In this mountain or in that mountain? And Jesus has those answers to the woman. And Jesus talked to her about the living water. If I give you the living water, you'll never be thirsty again. 
So that kind of conversation is not something that you have um, seen everywhere or in particularly in that time. When the, the woman is there, the disciples that went to town to buy bread, apparently 12 of them were able to negotiate bread for 13 men with no problem, and they are coming back. Jesus sees on their face that they are surprised, to say the least, that Jesus is wasting good time with a double nun, a woman and Samaritan. Jesus, knowing what's in the heart of the disciples, sent the woman away. Sent the woman away. And my text for that is in, the, in John. John 4, 28 and 29. And that reads, Then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to town and said to the people, Come and see a man who has told everything I ever did. Could he be the Christ? See, when Jesus realized that the disciples were approaching, Jesus decided to send the woman away so the disciples would not spoil what he had done in the life of that person. And the woman goes away before she can see the disciples. She's so excited that this man spent time with her, treated her as a person, understood her past, sympathized with her situation that she leaves her water jar in the well. That's another thing you, no woman would do in first century. You treasure your jars and you need them every day. And they're expensive and probably the rope was attached to it. And she went back to tell the people in her town. I think it's great for us to consider that, the, story, the comparison of those two women. The first one, Rebecca, went on to marry Isaac and became the matriarch of Israel. And she had children and she continued her name. And to this day, we respect her memory. And I always remember what my sister said uh, once. I don't mind my husband being the head of the family on the condition that I am the neck and I can move that head any way I want. <laughs> Every patriarch needs a matriarch or two to help them make up their mind. And that is Rebecca. The other woman that we should compare is the Samaritan woman. We don't even know her name. We don't know what was the problem, why she's coming at the well at the, dark, at, at the hottest area. We can just think about. But she left her precious water jar at the well. She had no time for water anymore that day. We needed to go back and share this good news with this man. And it's beautiful. And I hope you go home and you read the end of that story. Because there's more than I have time to share with you today. But the men, or the people in the town, apparently were so impressed with her testimony of Jesus. That they believe on her word. And they go out to see Jesus. And they are so impressed with Jesus. They invite Jesus to stay with them. And Jesus spent two extra days in that city. And that is not one of our cities. That is one of their cities. We don't even like these Samaritans. And Jesus spent time with them. The story ends by the man saying to the woman, we no longer believe because what you said. 
but we believe we saw it by ourselves in there. Friends, that's important for us to keep in mind and to have the, those two women as an important part of our lives. We have the same message. We met the same Jesus that the Samaritan woman met. And I would like to invite you to leave your water jar wherever it is and go away and spread the good news. We do have the news that other people are looking for. We don't need to be shy about what we believe. We should be able to invite them. It's beautiful to see in the beginning of the story the Samaritan woman trying to shy away from the other woman in the city. Now she goes searching for them. Before she was feeling sorry for herself and being an outcast. Now she has a story to tell and she wants to share it with them. I hope you'll be encouraged in your daily life to share more of your faith, as I know you do already, but it's so good for us to know that we have what other people are looking for. Thank you for the opportunity. As our response today, I'd like to invite you to stand up. We're going to sing our closing song. And as you know, if you would like to join with this church, we are an open community. We would love to have you. Um, you may just come up during the singing of this last song and find me. Um, I'm going to be on the front row. And so let's use this as our own affirmation of faith that we too are sent to tell the good news, to share this good news that's been going on for 2,000 years now, that we meet the Savior and we have a story to tell too. So let's sing together. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Of salvation, purchase of God. Born of His Spirit, washed in His blood. This is my story.
friends, next week we're going to be talking about our vision, where we're going as a church in the years to come. I know you're going to want to hear that. Um, I'm definitely going to want to preach it because I've been away for two weeks now, right? Not getting to have the sermon, right? Which is great, but I'm still, I'm trimming it down so it won't be overwhelming. People are like, how long will it be? I'm like, like plan on an hour. No, just kidding. (laughs) Anyway, it's going to be really good, I promise, okay? And it'll tell us where we're going in the future. So receive this benediction. Uh, Just like that woman encountered Jesus in the middle of her everyday life and a sad moment in her everyday life. May you also meet the Savior this week in the middle of your daily lives. May he have good news for you. And may you be so excited that you leave that water jug to go tell the story. Amen.